Hello, I'm Andy Stevenson and welcome to another episode of A Winning Mindset, Lessons from the Paralympics, brought to you by the International Paralympic Committee and their long-standing partner, Allianz. Together, our aim is for these podcasts to help you move forward in all aspects of your personal and professional lives. By hearing from Paralympic stars, you'll be introduced to stories that inspire and change the way you think. Stories of facing life's challenges with confidence, determination and excellence, and the true power of having the right team behind you. If this is the first episode you've listened to, then please do check out the other ones. I've spoken to Paralympic stars like Johnny Peacock and Tatiana McFadden, as well as IPC President Andrew Parsons. And for the next half hour, I'm talking to Australian shot putter Todd Hodgetts. Todd is on the autism spectrum and competes in the relatively small Paralympic classification of athletes with an intellectual disability. His impairment is also an invisible one, which means his life is quite different to most Paralympians. I found him fascinating and I hope you do too. So I don't know what to call you today, Todd, because away from competition, I've heard no end of news reports call you the gentle giant of the Australian team. And then as soon as you have a shot put in your hand, you become the Hulk. Who came up with the Hulk and, and when was that? Oh, that was funny because it was back in the Launceston PCYC days when I was at a local gym in Launceston, Tasmania. I was pretty pretty motivated and I was very serious with what I did. Uh, I was dropping these weights and uh, I was scaring um, the ladies in the gym. <laughs> and, then, and this guy called uh, uh, Big Dave, he said, we should call you the Hulk, you know, like in wrestling. I was like, and it's stuck since then. I'm like, everyone just call me the Hulk now, I'm happy. So it's kind of based on Hulk Hogan rather than the Incredible Hulk or a bit of both? Yeah, it's because he used to take his shirt off and stuff. Yeah. Honestly, I used to do that in the gym because when people used to um, uh, annoy me and tell me I couldn't do things and they thought they were stronger than me. And, um, oh yeah, I, I kind of bite back. I'm a fighter, so. <laughs> yes, and we'll get into that later on as well through the interview, I'm sure. Now, um, Awesome. I'm really fascinated to talk to you today, genuinely, because I've been around the Paralympics for a long time. But I have to admit that over, I reckon, 90% of my interactions with Paralympians have been with amputees, wheelchair users, people with cerebral palsy, vision impairments, perhaps. And I'm ashamed to say that you're one of the first learning disability athletes I've interviewed. Can you explain your qualification, if you like, to compete in the Paralympics? Uh, so so what happened was um, I was born – when I was born, I had the cord around my neck and that created issues and I nearly died at birth. And um, it started my oxygen with brain. Um, I've been working with a psychiatrist uh, uh, to nav- navigate my impairment. I don't like to use the word disability. Um, he says – you got to work on your strengths. So we're not looking, you know, what I was born with. We're looking forward and we're looking forward to the future. Why do you prefer impairment to disability out of interest? Uh, it's um, when you like look at the dictionary in the Oxford Dictionary, it says a dis, like a negative word. So I like to um, say impairment. So. Hmm. Um, more of an educational thing, but um, that, that's just me. I like to have a more positive approach in life instead of just focus on the disability. You should be focused on the ability of the person inside. 
how old were you when you began to realize that uh, you were a, a little bit different? Uh, probably when the doctor um, told me that I was different. I didn't know. I just thought um, I, was just, I had ADD, but nah, I had something more <laughs> more extreme. And uh, yeah, I, I just uh, I didn't even know first off. Mm. I just thought I was normal. <laughs> how old were you then? Eight, eight years of age. And so, can you remember how it how how it made you feel to have have that diagnosis? No, it wasn't great. It was like uh, you know you've just uh, jumped off a cliff type of thing or a bridge. <laughs> mm. Probably one of the hardest days of my life, I guess. How am I going to get out of this situation <laughs> and try and act as normal as possible? And then when I was and then then when I was sixteen, I said to the doctor, "Am I cured yet?" <laughs> because I had to have a have another one when I was sixteen. I had to do some more tests. So yeah, even when I was sixteen, like, like I did, I I didn't really want this when I was born. You know, I just wanted to be normal, live, sure. live a normal life. It was your brother, wasn't it, who encouraged you to take up shop put? That was quite a quite a decision, yeah, wasn't he, it? Uh, I'm not sure if you can have it. He stole it from a school as a as a prank. <laughs> and then I, I took up shop putting. Yeah, so yeah, sorry, I forget details sometimes. No, no. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm very direct. So he it was at his a high school, and he he was a very funny man. He handcuffed his mate to a uh, chair, and the police um forgot the keys. <laughs> yeah, he used to do this type of stuff, random stuff, just be a clown. And uh, he thought he thought giving me a shop it was funny. It was a joke. It wasn't. It changed my life. I had nothing in life, and I had this shop in my hand. That's all I had. That's incredible. Yeah. I'm just thinking of like the, you know, the the potential alternatives, like what he could have given you and sent your life on a completely different path. It's it's amazing. I, I wasn't look. I, I wasn't in a head in the right path. I'm telling you now. But I had some divine help. That's for sure. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Just things. Things. Things happen for a reason. I guess if you work hard and. If you're the right person doing the right things, I guess. So, so when when did that all start? When did you first throw a shot put and think, "Oh, this is something I might do"? Oh, yeah, it comes back to my um, education days uh, at primary school. Um, I had a really nasty teacher, which I'm not going to mention, uh, but it's in the past. But this made me who I was, and if I if I never picked up a shot put, and she basically said I could, I couldn't throw throw a shot put right. Uh, she was probably right, but. I, I decided to train, you know, all the Rocky movies and all the sports movies you've seen in, in your life. It was a bit like that. It was like when I picked up, it's just shot put in my hand. It was like a sword type of thing. I'm, I'm here to protect people and, and save the world type of thing. And I, I, I wasn't very good at it. And I started just to throw it in my, my backyard and, and, oh, this is actually awesome. I'm actually good, good at something. I'm sick of um, people telling me I can't do things. And... Um, I started to get better. I started to get, uh, throw throw over the barbecue and fences and that. And um, uh, two months later, I broke my first record in little athletics in Australia uh, back in the White City days. Um, that's in Launces in Tasmania. And um, I basically got my certificate and showed everyone. Everyone's giving me high fives in the class. And then the, the teacher was quite angry and put me in turn suspension. Uh, I'm intrigued, though, about your technique and learning to shot put well. When it comes to perfecting that technique, does your autism mean you have to go over things with your coach more than somebody else might? Oh, definitely. Um, not, not not these days, but to get out of bad habits now is very hard. So if you're 
uh, throwing with your arm, for example, instead of using your torque and your hips. Um, that's another story. That that takes years to do. Um, now it's getting out of bad habits. It, it, just in my general life, when I do something new, for example, you know, uh, it, it, it takes a bit of effort, and I really have to focus. If I don't focus, I don't get the the skill. You know. I get frustrated, but I have to keep on going. Because it's a highly technical sport. This is not just you turning up and, and throwing something. You know, there's a lot of skill and, and technique behind oh, it. Oh, definitely. I've beaten people a lot stronger than bigger than me in shot put. It's all about the skill and the technique. And there's also a strength aspect, and then there's a technical aspect. And then you've got the explosive uh, speed aspect of that as well. Do you think in a funny way, and I, you know, I don't want to be, I, I want to be complimentary when I say this, but do you think in a way... Um, your autism and the fact that you have to really, really go over something and get it absolutely clear in your head before you do it. Do you think in some ways um, your autism has actually been an advantage in a, in a highly uh, skillful sport like shot put? Yeah, I reckon it has because it's all to do with motivation. Life's all about motivation and proving people wrong and doing it for the right reasons. It's all, I've always had the drive and the passion and, I'm, I'm I'm with a sports psychiatrist and he's working all on my strengths and all, not on my weaknesses and, and navigating um, life and general and training and you know the, the, the I'm still getting knockbacks now with uh, this COVID situation and mm. he's really helping me with that situation I'm, I'm grateful to have him on board at this stage. Um, but he's been uh, answering all my uh, questions about mental health why. Why am I so honest and why why do I react like this and what's the studies behind um, autism and ID, etc. and um, all the impairments? Um, he, he's very excellent. And and does, does the autism affect, you mentioned reactions there, does the autism affect your mood and reactions when you're competing? I'm thinking about, for example, how do you take on board praise or probably even better to ask how do you take on criticism while you're competing oh i'll probably dish it back at people i take it into the <laughs> ring um yeah i get pretty fired up uh, at, at times and i might i've never gotten in big trouble but um i just challenge it in the ring basically when i'm training uh don't don't ever try and stop me hmm. that's a mentality i'm only to do business because you only get one shot of life the yeah. song with Eminem and Quite right. Yeah, that's one of the motivational songs. You obviously have to deal with people's reactions once they know that there is something different going on, but you don't yeah, have definitely. to deal with people's reactions r- immediately, right from when they see you, I don't think. Uh, when I was younger, I used to, like, I used to flip out. So uh, when I was younger, so... Hmm. Um, and, then, and then it comes out there when I get really angry. <laughs> Hmm. Which is which? It hasn't happened for many years. Um, probably before, way uh, probably in primary school, I used to blow up pretty well. But but those would have been reactions, would they, Todd? They they would have been reactions to things people said to you or p- p- things people yeah, did, did but, to you, yeah, rather than would. rather than them just looking at you. Or uh, it's probably more verbal, I guess, verbal abuse. But back then, people weren't educated on special needs, I guess. Yeah, it's just an interesting dynamic because you know, I, as I say, I'm an amputee, so there's no no way I can I can sort of 
hide that or just uh, wait wait for people yeah. to discover it. It's it's out there, so it's kind of interesting speaking to you. I mean, for example, if I was working with you in an office or went for a coffee with you, could we have an entire day together and I would go away thinking that you were completely able-bodied? Is, are there any ways in which I could tell that you had autism, do you think? Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, the way I... Our talk is straight up. Uh, I'm pretty honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, if I don't like it, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on that at this, but you know, it's it's a it's a it's a uphill battle, I guess. It sounds like I could I could I could tell that you're Australian, but not autistic. I think is 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 that. Is that... <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's a, a fair thing to say, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. But um, when. When I'm trying to write things down, mm. uh, I can't do that. I and, see. Yeah. Uh, add up things in my head. Um, it just gets overwhelming. I lose concentration. Yeah. And then when I was in, if I'm in a test type of thing situation, when I was in high school, I used to go to pieces. I used to get anxiety type of thing. Yeah, I see. Because I don't know, I don't know the answer. I'm starting to freak out. You know. Yeah. Yeah, if um, and then if you throw a lot of instructions at me, mm-hmm. then I start to um, panic a bit. When when you're when you're out and about in in normal life, so away from sport now, and you come across new people, or you 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 might have to be involved with people on a project or something like that, or it's maybe just I don't know meeting a new uh, friend of somebody. Do you um, do you tell people? from from the top that you have autism do you wait for them to find out do you try to hide it where where would you put yourself in along that line i just don't i don't really talk about my mental illness with anyone really i just try and live a normal life and i all, all i've wanted to do since i got diagnosed autism has been normal and i'm trying to live a normal life as possible i guess yeah you know it's a, it's a shock to the system when you when they they say your son to your mum, oh, never their life's never going to be the same again. I guess. So, I just live a normal life, and uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> I yeah. can't change. I can't get cured. I can't. Um, you know, there's no cure no. for um the, the thing I have. I'm I'm born with it until I die. So, I'm just trying to enjoy my life. I guess. I'm going to just put something to you in a sort of crude, crude way here, but I, I think you'll understand. Does, does sometimes, do you turn up sometimes to competitions and do you feel that people are thinking, well, what's, what's wrong with him, if I can put it like that? I, I don't really think what I compete, really, but um, you do get people like that, but I just ignore them because, you know, I'm wearing my Australian colours out there. I'm doing what I have to do. And uh, criticism, you know, I'm starting... To get more mentally stronger, and I, I, I don't, I don't listen to what people say if it, if it's very negative. If you know what I mean. How do you feel though when people say what's what's wrong with you? I'm sure you've had you must have had people say directly to you what is wrong with you, Todd. If if they're, if they're not getting what I'm saying, I'll be direct. Look, you know, I've got all this. I just got. I've got. You know, I've got mental health issues. Or yeah, that's probably a better word. Mental. I've got some mental health issues with my and anxiety and that and that's a way I and people get people understand when I say that you know oh yeah cool yeah, yeah the majority of the people are positive I guess 
Can you describe or explain how your impairment affects your body and your mental processes? Well, I was talking to my bishop at church and he said, um, to me, you're starting to, you're still a teenager. You're, you're still, you, your mentality is kind of there. I'm um, progressing and now I'm in my, I'm 32. I'm still learning uh, about life. Mm. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just a never ending type of cycle, I guess. Um, I think I'm learning more now than I was at school. Yeah. Learning a new skill with, say, uh, cooking, for example, it took me many years to learn how to cook. I used to um, have tin food and that used to be my um, breakfast, lunch and tea. I used to burn things. Uh, just the learning aspect of things takes me from a, an able-bodied person probably 10 times there's more to learn. I'll have to really train my mind to overcome things. I don't, but I'm more focused and once I get that, it stays with me. So it's like a gift. It's not like a disability. It's like an ability. It has become a lot easier living with a learning impairment, I guess. Because um, the, the, the way I use these apps on my phone is like the, the vision impaired people do. Uh, it was actually vision impaired. Uh, Russell Short, he, he showed me all these apps on his phone, how to <laughs> read it, um, emails and all that. I was, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> I'm learning off these guys, you know. So you, you have to sort of work harder at something or maybe do it a few more times than somebody else, but then once you have it, you you have it. It stays with you then. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it does stay with me, but not everything, not everything like my writing, I can't write. Um, my spelling, I can't spell, can't add up. But I use my phone for everything, and when when I when I'm doing my massage at school, I use a voice activation device on my phone. When I'm texting, I'm not actually texting; I'm using a voice activation system, Safari, for example, mm-hmm. and um, Dragon. They're, they're the programs I use to do my communications with people. And when I'm reading emails, um, I convert it to uh, text to speak. So I'm, I'm using my knowledge. Um, I'm not using my discipline. I'm using my abilities to understand, to uh, survive in this world and cope. Do you ever sit there and think, and I, and I ask this because I know myself, you know, I, I was actually born, I'm an amputee from birth, and I sometimes sit there and think, wow, thank God I was born in, you know, I was born in 1981, and, and, and I know sort of you're similar, but, you know, thank God I was born in this time where when I became an adult there were touch screens and there was you know computers and phones and do you ever think that about technology I think yes because um the world is progressing and we're a blessed generation I guess and um everyone's getting more equal in life um just because you've been born with a in uh an impairment, it could be anything. And nobody's perfect in this world, but everyone on this earth, I believe, strongly believe, are here for a purpose. Mm. And everyone's here on their own mission and journey. I think I probably know the answer to this, but do you ever have to ask other people for help, strangers for help? Well, for directions, yeah. Right. <laughs> I get lost pretty easily. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then sometimes I don't speak English very properly, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, just communication issue, yeah, I struggle with, I guess, relating to people. And uh, and then if you t- if you talk negative to me, um, I get a bit anxious. So, mm. 
I think people are having a go at me all the time, but they're not. They're joking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do joke around, but sometimes if you're a stranger, I don't know if you're joking or not. Mm. It depends who you are. And is how, how important is routine to you, by the way? Is that something that your impairment kind of heightens the need to do things at the same time, same day? Oh, definitely. If you if if you tell me to meet somewhere and you're not there, that does my head in. And then if you tell me, and and if you try and throw a lot of instructions at me, I start to get lost. So um, don't ever throw spanners in the works because I hate it. <laughs> the 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 kind of obvious follow-on question to that then is how you have dealt with this crazy crazy year, where obviously you were expecting to train and and then go and compete in Tokyo, and now that's all been put off for a year how how on earth have you got your head around that i've had to adjust like um i i had the victorian institute of sport drop off some weights for me to do my weightlifting training for my shot putting and then i started to drop the weights on the floor and then, and then the neighbors started to get cranky and then i had to go back to the old powerlifting days i couldn't do my snatches and cleans i had to go back to doing squat and bench press so i decided look i'm just going to focus on things that i can do and doing the best I can. So, so what are your realistic aims for Tokyo next year? As I say, you won gold in London, bronze in Rio. Yep. What, what, what is Todd Hodgett's going to win in, in Tokyo? Uh, hopefully, there is a games. <laughs> um, I've got to get picked in the team first. I, I um, even at my start, I've always uh, gone one step of the day and one, one time of the day, um, one moment. I'm going to think, think about eating before I'm throwing, that type of thing. Mm. But if I get all my technique right, um, who knows? Like I've, I've, I've made a vow that I'm going to retire 40 years of age. So win, lose, or draw, that's what I'm going to do. So I've still got another eight years. I just want to ask you more broadly about um, intellectual disabilities, learning disabilities at the Paralympics, because there are currently only three sports at the Paralympics where people like yourself can compete. That's athletics, swimming and table tennis. How important is the Paralympics, do you think, in promoting sport for people with, with intellectual disabilities or, or actually even just disabilities that aren't visible? I think it's very important because um, back in the, the 60s, um, there was no opportunities for people uh, and and now there's opportunities for everyone to to uh, to able to to compete on on, a, on on the world stage I guess I think it's very important you mentioned the opportunities that are available now what advice would you give to somebody listening that has autism or perhaps is the parent of somebody with autism who is showing an interest in sport? Um, give them a good encouragement. Don't tell them they can't do it. Um, it's a hard battle. Um, the war, uh, you know, the, the, there is an opportunity there. Uh, don't give up. You're going to cop a lot of um, negative, but don't listen to negative people. Listen to positive uh, people. Um, you only get one shot of life. Um, that type of thing, and um, if you, it's not the end of the world having autism at all, it's you know my life's beginning now. I'm still learning things. It's not over until it's over. That's what uh, one of Rocky's movies. That's one of my mantras. And you just got to keep going, I guess. Keep on keeping on. 
you've had your rocky moments and I'm sure there's going to be more to come. And I mean rocky by, oh, I mean rocky as in Sylvester Stallone, not rocky as in uh, difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll look up to Stallone. He's my favourite actor. <laughs> and rocky Four was my favourite movie. And uh, after, rocky, after Rocky Five, it just went downhill. That They ruined the story. Yeah, I was going to say. To me, there's only four Rockies. Yeah. Because what was the most recent one that was a bit of a disaster? Rocky uh, uh, Creed Two, exactly. Yeah, so we're we must it be on. Bad, but it wasn't bad. It was a di- they should have called it something else. <laughs> um, they should have just look. They should have did five. He should have been world champion. It should have been the end. Mm. He should have beaten Tommy Gunn, knocked him out. It would have been a fairy tale ending. It's just leave it like that. It's like Terminator movies too, as well. You know, yeah. there's only two Terminators in my books. Well, like <laughs> I like to think that in a few years' time we'll see. I don't know, Rocky. Eight, let's call it Rocky Eight, starring Todd Hodgetts. <laughs> that that would be a nice n- nice way to round off your career. <laughs> I won't be doing boxing. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I need to. I really need to get a job. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying, but yeah, all, all I've done in my life is train. Yeah, my own backside off and prove the lot of knockers wrong and. Uh, Want some hearts on the way, I guess. Bit of a love situation, I guess. And when you sit back, Todd, and reflect on how far you've come, you've given a lot to sport, there's no doubt about that. But sport and the Paralympics have given you so much too, haven't they? Oh, definitely. I've got, you know, I've, I've, I've travelled around the world, went to London, I went to Rio, I went to Europe, I've been to South America, been to America, you know, blown, I've been all, the, all these places that, you know, a local boy from Tasmania, Launceston, you know, <laughs> who didn't ever afford that, um, who, who never had anything in life because <laughs> people said I had a few learning difficulties, um, becomes the undisputed champion of the world, you know. <laughs> it, yeah. It's an awesome feeling, you know. Yeah. And I was very lucky to, you know, to be alive, like a person who had a cord around their neck and nearly died when they were born has done pretty well. Well, that was Todd Hodgetts, either the Hulk or the Gentle Giant, depending on what mood he's in. Really interesting to hear about life with an intellectual disability and an invisible one. Please do subscribe to this podcast and listen to earlier episodes. Next week, my guest will be someone who's gone through so much and virtually achieved it all already in the world of para-canoeing, and yet he's still only 17. It's Hungarian Peter Paukis. Speak then. Speak then.